0: Hey, good morning. How's everybody? Good. Glad you guys are doing well. So uh, we are trying out a new mic right now. So if it sounds a little wild. Um, uh, Believe me, they're working on it. Okay. Um, It's uh, our last one. If you were here last week, it went out and went crazy last week. And uh, So we've been working on testing it, and I'm going to pull it away from my face just a little bit, and uh, we're going to do our best to, to get through. So, uh, guest card info. Man, if you are a first-time guest, here with us. We are so pumped that you are here. We, uh, we're excited to have you worshiping with us today. If this is your first time, we hope that you feel welcomed and loved. Um, if you're in person, there's a, a, a Connect card in the back of the seat in front of you. And if you'll grab that and fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable with, when you leave today, you can stop in our lobby by the Next Steps area, which is a big Next Steps banner that's seven feet tall. You can't miss it in the lobby. And uh, just drop off that card at one of those desks, and we'll give you a free Lindsay Lane East t-shirt today just for being here with us. And if you're watching online, the best way to do that is to click in the description of the video, click on the link to fill out the first-time guest card, um, and fill that out and we'll follow up with you this week, and I just thank you for being here and see if there's anything that we can do so um we're currently skimming through the book of Acts, okay uh man, the book of Acts, we could spend years and years studying it just verse by verse and everything, but um got laid it on my heart back last year to really begin just to to slow to to get to high points, okay, and so what we're doing is we're looking at the book of Acts um, to really begin to see what does our church look like missionally moving forward. And so the the statement that God laid on my heart back last year was in 2021 and how many ever years into the future, we want to at Lindsey Lane East see the glory of God in us, our neighbor's and the nations. And I hope that like by next month, y'all have all learned that and we can all say it together. Okay. The glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. And I'm so um, excited with the, so the first week, first two weeks, we really spent time talking about what is what does the book of Acts teach us about how the early church, the first Jesus followers, how they saw the glory of God in themselves within the local church. And we spent two weeks looking at that. Um, Last week we began to look at what is it like to see the glory of God in our neighbors, and so we talked. We spent time in Acts chapter two and three. Uh, there was other things that we could have looked at, but just for time's sake, we didn't. And so today we're we're beginning to bridge from neighbors to nations. Okay, so we're going to begin to look at what is it like for us to do ministry in North America. It's just teaser. Okay, uh, looking at reaching beyond our community. What does that look like? So. Uh, if you don't remember um, kind of what started all of this, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is, um, is really the, the, the verse that provides the outline for the, book of, the rest of the book of Acts, but it, I believe it also provides us an outline for what our mission should be here um, at Lindsay Lane East. And so I'm going to read Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you've got a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. I'll give you 15 seconds. We're going to be in the book of Acts, so even if you, it's going to take you longer than 15, just take your time because we're going to be there the rest of the sermon, okay? Acts 1, verse 8. Scripture says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. These are this is Jesus' words, by the way. Um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So let me pray, and then we'll start uh, diving in here. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us your word. Um, God, you've given us, uh, God, I think uh, just a lot of clarity of of what we need to be focused on missionally as a church. Um, God, I just pray for more wisdom to understand uh, the next steps uh, for us as a church, God. And um, as 2021 uh, will no doubt still look different than what we had hoped it would. Um, but God, we pray that... Uh, we use twenty twenty one as a as a year to get our missions uh focus in place God, and uh that we can begin to to see your glory um, in us our neighbors and the nation so father, we love you and we pray that you be with us today and speak to us in jesus name amen so some of you may not uh know this um unless you've been here a while or been through our east one oh one class that we're offering next week uh, about our who we are as a church and stuff. But we are a campus of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, um, which is in Athens. And so the way that, uh, I'm not going to go into all the way that works, um, but we actually share very little things. Uh, We exist uh, in almost every way as a church to ourselves uh, that ministers to this community. Um, There are some things that we do share. And one of those things for the last seven years has been missional involvement. Um, And so essentially, the Lindsay Lane Baptist Church has a list of missionary partners and we as a campus get to choose from that list and partner with them. And so that's what we were beginning to do in 2021. And I had a meeting at the middle of December of last year. Um, and uh, we sat down and began to talk about what a what mission look like going forward in our campus. We now have three campuses, not just two, like we've had for most of our existence. And me and uh, Pastor Allen at the North Campus um, really got to just laid on our heart, different areas than the main campus was focusing on. And so we just began to ask the question: What would it look like if we had different missions partners? Um, not expecting that to be a hands-down done decision, expecting to have to fight for it a little bit, and maybe even lose. We won with well, like just without even like any conversation. <laughs> so, uh, for us, that was imp- that was for me and for Alan at the North Campus. That was important for us um, just to be able to, to to pray as a church here. What do we want to do? What missionary partners do we want to have? What church planners do we want to work with? What cities do we want to impact for the gospel in the area? Like, Those are questions that we wanted to begin to ask. And uh, that's done. And so... Well, the decision is done. So now, if you wonder over the last couple of weeks, Heath doesn't seem to have any idea missionally what we're doing. That's why. I've had a month, y'all, and Christmas was in there, okay? So uh, Kenny and I talked last week and just said, hey, let's just be transparent with the church and let them know where we are. Um, so if it looks like I don't know where what areas we want to partner with and who our missionary partners are going for, it's because I don't. And that's why we're doing this series. I'm show I'm showing you from Scripture what we need to do as a church and why we need to do it, and I'm asking you to pray about the where and the who, okay? I'm asking you to pray for those things, and so I'm not doing that just to fill your ears. Like, I literally want you as Lindsay Lane East Church to pray with me, right? That we, that God will give us clarity about what direction and and how we can move forward to to accomplish the Great Commission, and and so Um, I talked about this uh, probably week one, two, and three. But in Acts 1-8, we see three different focuses. We see a Jerusalem, which was where the early church was at the moment. That was where Jesus' apostles, that's where he left them, was in Jerusalem. Um, And then there was Judea and Samaria, which for us will be North America. We'll talk about why. And to the ends of the earth, which is our global reach. And so we'll be talking about um, the North America piece today, and then next week we'll look at the global piece But um, let's look at Acts 1-8. We're going to talk about the the Judea and Samaria. Last week, again, we looked at Jerusalem, but that's not all that God called them to be. He called them to be in Judea and Samaria as well. And so um, we're going to look at today three ways that that the early church impacted their Judea and Samaria, okay? Um, Let's look. Number one, uh, if you're an note-taker, here they are. Um, This is They did so by reaching those who were different. By reaching those who were different. Um, I'm going to read verses 5 through 8 of chapter 8. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out and many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Here's what you need to know, that all of the growth in the early church, we saw last week that there, there are over 5,000 men and their families in the church at this point. All of that has been Jewish people, okay? That's been all Jewish people, but all of that begins to change right here. Philip, who wasn't a pastor, he wasn't an apostle, uh, he was a man called of God to minister to the church, uh, more as a deacon, if you're familiar with that that terminology, um, and and got, and he goes to Samaria. Now, here's what you need to know about Samaria. Okay, Samaria uh, Jews who lived in Judea did not like Samaritans. Okay, so a little geography lesson for you. Okay, Jerusalem. I'm going to point and say Jerusalem. Okay, so Jerusalem was here. Judea was the area that Jerusalem was in. Okay. If you're familiar with that, so think country. When you think of Judea, think of the country that Jerusalem city is in. Samaria was the country or land area that sat on top or north, if you want to get directional, okay? But (laughs) it didn't sit on top of it. Um, Anyway, it was north of Judea. So you had Judea, Jerusalem in the middle, and then Samaria was up here. Now these these two countries together with some other areas made up what was originally Israel, the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. If you know the story, uh, king, the the height of Israel was was as David transitioned to his son Solomon. David was this great warrior; he was the man of God's choosing to be the king. Um, he he was he was a mighty warrior who who just led the nation of Israel to to a place of prominence in the world, and then he passed off the torch to his son Solomon right? And so Solomon was an incredible... Uh, that's a terrible... Okay, let me back up. Solomon loved women, okay? I don't know where I was going with that, but Solomon was a <laughs> incredible woman's man, okay? Uh, ladies' man. So Solomon, that was his downfall. Solomon, um, though he was called to be king, uh, he, he got himself in a mess and really began to make some bad choices. And And what happened... Uh, with Solomon is that uh, the nation of Israel began to to decline. And um, as Solomon went to pass the torch off to his son in Jerusalem, uh, the northern part of the area, which would later become Samaria, realized Solomon's a doofus, (laughs) and his son is going to be an even bigger one. We need our own king. And they call up uh, their own king, to lead their area and they secede from the union to use terminology uh american history okay they 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 separate and we now have a divided kingdom a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom and these two kingdoms they go through a a lot of stuff um a lot of mess um, Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. Jerusalem is the the capital of the southern kingdom. And uh, if you read through the Book of First and Second Kings and First and Second uh, Chronicles, you see that both both kingdoms had terrible kings, but the southern kingdom has more good kings than the than the the northern kingdom does. In Samaria, um, what we see is that Samaria centered kingdom has take they take on other gods with regularity. Instead of staying focused on their God, the God of Israel, right, Uh, our God, they adopt these other gods, and it gets them in a mess, and it causes discord between the kingdom. Both kingdoms' capitals fall. Samaria in the north falls first to the Assyrians. Some of you world history people, you are loving this. The rest of y'all are like, get to something else. Hang on. Okay, hang on. The Assyrians take over the north. Um, They actually begin to populate the area with Assyrians and many of the Jews who are in the northern kingdom they wind up marrying these Assyrians. They the God's people begin to marry with those who are not God's people. And this causes a mess. This causes a kingdom that is no longer centered on God. They've melted together their religions and their way of life, and the northern kingdom is left a mess. Jerusalem, the southern kingdom, it eventually falls to the Babylonians and the Persians. After several decades, um, the, the southern kingdom people actually convince the leadership that they're in bondage under, can we go back and build Jerusalem? We want to build the walls. We want to rebuild the temple. And the the the, the leadership says, sure, go ahead. You can do that. And they come back, um, and but they face opposition. Their cousins to the north, who have now intermarried with all these other people, actually try to prevent them from rebuilding The temple in Jerusalem, this is not good. Their cousins to the north are fighting them. And so the Jews begin to view this Samaritans that they've become now known as, as traitors to God and unclean people. And that rivalry, I'm I'm wrapping up here, that rivalry lasts 400 years from that moment to the birth of Christ. And it's done nothing but boil and boil and boil. So when Jesus comes on the scene, um, Jesus was actually from Galilee, which was further north. And so when the Galileans wanted to go to Jerusalem, they would literally go around Samaria. Like go out of their way just to avoid such a nasty place and nasty people. Jesus, when he wants to prove a point, Jesus was an awesome teacher and he used stories and examples. And when Jesus wanted to teach on what it really means to love, what did he use? The story of the Good Samaritan. He used a Samaritan and a Jew. He said, I'll show you what real love is. Not caring for people who are like you, but caring for someone, even a Samaritan. He uses a Samaritan as an example of someone who would care for a Jew. Because they were so polar opposites. They were so hated by each other. Jesus knew that this was the best thing to get his point across. And so now, again, now, Jesus tells his apostles, who no doubt were raised to hate Samaritans, you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, right where you are. And then in Judea. And they were like, okay, ho up. (laughs) Don't get any further than that. But then he says, and Samaria. Samaria. And that would have fell on the ears of Jews like a heavy brick. Because in that moment, they realized that Jesus is calling them to minister to the people that they do not like. The people that are very different from them. But this is what exactly what we see Philip do. Philip, who is a Jew, doesn't bypass Samaria As he's running from persecution in Jerusalem, he marches right through it. He doesn't avoid conversations with these traitors. He speaks the gospel. And there is great joy through repentance and salvation. And my fear, in my own heart, because I know my heart, I don't know your heart, but I'm assuming it's as jacked up as mine. In my heart, my fear is that me as an individual, that I would spend all of my effort and all of my energy ministering to people who are like me and avoid those who are different. But I'm telling you, from the call of Scripture, from the call of Christ to His apostles, and extended to the church, that can't happen. You see, one of the hardest things, one of the most natural things for us to do is to be with people who are like us. At your workplace, you probably hang out with people who are like you. When you go to a ball game, you probably sit with people who are like you. You probably do things with people who are like you, have similar interests, and watch the same TV shows, and um, ha- like from the same neighborhood, or from the same area, or grew up in the same part of the world. Like that's We're naturally drawn to those people, but things that we're naturally drawn toward doesn't necessarily mean it honors God, Amen. I got a lot of natural tendencies in my heart that I have to fight against. And this is one that we must, as individuals, fight against. And as a greater question, the question stands before this church in the future, is how will we minister to those who look different than the people in this building? Will we focus with intentionality on them or will we not? Will you only reach those who are like you or even more bluntly, let me ask it this way: Do you care about people who are different from you in the same way that you care about people who are like you right and I won't go all social justicey right but at the end of the day, that's questions that you've got to, we've got to answer as people we've got to begin to wrestle with in our own heart do we care about those who are not like us? We must address these questions as we wrestle with what it looks like to see the glory of God in our neighbors. You and I don't get to make the call about who gets in the kingdom. We don't get to exclude people simply because they're different from us or say, well, somebody else will minister to them. Because we're, we're a church that ministers to these people. We cannot be content to just reach those who are like us. We must intentionally go into areas, into conversations with people who are different from us. And let me just say, when we're, answering the, when we're asking the question about, God, who, where would you have us serve in North America? Like, What partnership would you have us have in this country, in this continent? What I don't want our prayer to be, God, where's the easiest place to go do ministry? where's the place that looks most like North Alabama so that we can have our little happy mission trip and we can go, but it's really a vacation, and we can hit up a couple of uh, theme parks or whatever on our way and call it a mission trip and maybe get the church to pay for half of it. That's not in my notes. But it's real. Just be straight with you. I've been on those trips. That, that, That can't be what we're about. Our question, God... God, show us the mission partner. Show us the area you would have us to go. Must be, God, we're willing to go anywhere. Even if the people that we're called to minister to don't speak the language we do, even if they don't look like us, even if they have a totally different worldview than we do, God, we are open. This must be be before the church. And so as you're praying this week, and I hope you will, not just this week, but in the coming weeks as we're praying for clarity on this, don't pray. God, give, God just give Heath the easiest area because, could not. I don't want any hard mission trips. <laughs> don't pray that. Let's pray. Let's be open and real. Let's tell God the, the, the things he already knows about our heart. Point number two, how did the early church reach Judea and Samaria? By reaching those who were Hostile. By reaching those who were hostile, Uh, Acts chapter nine. So in Acts chapter seven, Acts chapter six, really, we meet a guy named Stephen. Stephen was a man who was put forward from God, uh, from the church by God to to serve and to minister to widows who who were being treated unfairly. Um, A lot of times we look at this as the the creation of uh, the deaconhood um, in the church, and uh, but this but Stephen was just a normal guy. He he wasn't he wasn't anything flashy. He wasn't an apostle. He was just a normal guy, and he winds up uh, being arrested and winds up being stoned to death for his faith in front of a crowd. One man who stood there holding everybody's coats, he never cast a stone, but he was laughing the whole time, was a guy named Saul. And so, Saul, we get introduced to at the beginning of chapter 9 again. So, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus. This is another city further north, uh, northeast. So that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring the way. That's the hippest and coolest way to describe disciples. Like in the first century, that's what they were known as the way. Isn't that cool? It sounds like a, like a hip church now. But anyway, all right. Um, but they were known as that because Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so anyway, so if, G, if, uh, if Saul found any men or women who belonged to the way, Jesus' followers, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. The story continues on from here and Saul turns from his sin, turns to God and is saved and and baptized and becomes a believer in Jesus. This man named Saul who was breathing threats against the church was holding a document in his hand that gave him the ability to arrest anybody he wanted to in Damascus and haul them back to Jerusalem and throw them in jail. Instead of meeting Christians, he meets the ones that the Christians worship. Instead of meeting Christians, he meets Christ. He has an interaction with Jesus himself on the road. Listen to this. And everything changed for him. And in all honesty, everything changed for the church. When Saul was saved, everything changed. The trajectory of the church was changed. Saul was well known in the the Christian community. Everybody knew who Saul was but not because he was a celebrity pastor or a really hot worship leader in skinny jeans okay like he he was he was a real real guy who was terrifying to the church he was scared to death uh, the Christians were scared to death of him he was known as a killer of believers no one would have ever expected him to become a christian but listen he did god saved him I'm just going to ask you, sadly, you and I encounter people on a daily, maybe not on a daily basis, but on a somewhat regular basis. If you're sharing your faith, you've encountered people who are hostile. People that laugh at you because you believe in a Jesus who died and was rose again. Yeah. Or people who, people who just want to argue with you, want to belittle you, Right people who are hostile towards the gospel. So my question is this, when you encounter people like that, do you just write them off? Because I'm going to tell you, that's my natural tendency too. Transparent moment. My heart says, you're going to be a jerk to me, there's got to be somebody I can share with It's easier than you are. And I'm going to move on down the road. That cannot be the heartbeat of our church. That we're going to avoid those who might be hostile or those that we know that are. Because as I told the first service, here's the good news. You will never encounter a person like Saul. At least I never have. Somebody who was going to stone you on the spot, (laughs) kill you. You'll never meet, the people you encounter, they're not going to be as mean as Saul. So that's something to take heart in, right? Share your faith at at, at your workplace. Share your faith with your family. I promise you they're not going to stone you on the spot. Okay? So, it's encouragement. But I'll also say this. As believers, yes, we've got we can't be we can't be that. But as we begin to pray, listen to me. As we begin to pray, God give us clarity about where you would have us serve. Because we're not going to have a hundred cities that we're trying to minister in. We want one place that we can throw our efforts in North America. One place that we can invest our time and our ministry and our prayers to. And our prayer cannot be. God, make it an easy place. Please, God, don't let it be somewhere where people are ugly and mean. Please, God, right? God, give us a nice, easy, comfy place with some good hotels around. God, that's what we want. God, in your name, Jesus, amen, right? That can't be our prayer. Our prayer must be, our prayer must be, God, we will go. God, we'll go wherever, Wherever you call us, God, that's where we want to serve. No matter how difficult, no matter how hard, God, this is what you want us to do and we believe it. And we must not be fearful of any type of hostility towards our message. We must face it head on. And you and I can't, as we engage with people in our workplace and as we begin to pray and hopefully figure out the area that God would have us minister to outside of our community, the, 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 the answer can't be, uh, we can't we can't respond with hostility when we experience hostility. We got to engage with those who really don't want to hear what we have to say. We must do it for the sake of the gospel, because I'm telling you, if God can change a man's heart like Saul, He can change anybody you work with. He can change anybody in your family. A promise. Let's stay faithful. Last thing we see the early church doing. We see them reaching those who were different from themselves, reaching the Samaritans, and even beyond there to reach the Gentiles. But then we see them reaching those who were hostile towards the gospel. The last thing that we begin to see, the way that they reached Judea and Samaria, is by planting churches. By planting churches. Again, just a reminder, um, the only church that's spoken of at this point is the church of Jerusalem. It's the only church that we see up to this point in the book of Acts. We see believers other places, but there's only one reference to a church, and that is to Jerusalem. And so let's look at Acts 11, 19 through 26, as we begin to see that shift. Now those who have been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, cyprus and antioch headed north okay, that's all we need to know headed up the coastline speaking the word to no one except jews but there were some others some of them men from cyprus and cyrene who came to antioch and began speaking to the greeks also to those gentiles to those who weren't jews proclaiming the good news about the lord jesus The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus, which was around the corner, around the sea, uh, to search for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. What we see here, what you need to know going forward, we're going to talk about this next week, but the church at Antioch becomes the missional hub to reach the rest of the world. Like Paul and Barnabas, teaser. Paul and Barnabas are sent out of the church at Antioch as missionary church planners to go and to spread the gospel to the furthest parts of the earth. But it happens in Antioch, not in Jerusalem. So, my question is I love this area and we're going to continue to do ministry in this area, but God is moving in other places that you and I can get involved in. My, my, what, I'm pray, what I'm praying for, this is your pastor. This North America idea, God, who is our missionary partner going to be in North America? Here's what I'm looking for I'm not looking for somebody who does ministry in another place. I'm looking for an area where God is already at work, where God is moving, but they need resources and they need people. That's what we see happen here. God's already at work in Antioch. You see that there are there's a small group of people gathered in Antioch who are believers, but they have no idea what they're doing. So what happens? The church in Jerusalem, which was established and consistent, sends missionaries to go and establish a church. It's not until Barnabas and Paul get there that we see, um, well we see Barnabas reach Let's see, here it is. Where is it? Yeah, right there at the end. They met with the church. It's not until Paul and Barnabas get there, begin to meet, that we see the Bible call this area a church. Before that, they were just a gathered group of believers. There is a difference. And what we see then is that Paul and Barnabas teach them from the Scriptures and from the teachings of of Christ and the Old Testament what it looks like to follow God and to, to establish themselves as a church. So here's what's beautiful. Who did that work? God, yes, okay? But the church at Jerusalem sent missionaries, sent people to help establish a church in another place. You know why? Because there were needs in that community. Antioch had children who were hungry. Antioch had widows who weren't taken care of. Antioch had all these places. Well, guess what? Jerusalem is is a long way away. They can't care for the needs on a regular basis. You get that, right? They couldn't haul everyday food up to... Antioch to provide meals and come back and load up again and go up. What they needed was a vibrant and growing church in Antioch that would meet those needs. This is where I think we failed as the church. Just being transparent with you. Um, I think one of the mistakes we make is we try to do ministry in other areas. We try to go and provide food and jackets and clothes and, and we try to meet needs and then we come back home and guess what? We wait a whole year and then we do it again. <laughs> I want our efforts outside of our community to be towards churches, because when a church is in an area and that church loves Jesus, the needs in that community will be taken care of see we can 't we can 't have a we can 't go to I've used Indianapolis over and over again, but we or Atlanta. We can't go to Atlanta and meet needs there and come back and go back maybe two or three times a year. What I want to do is spend time with a church planner, somebody who's passionate about Atlanta, somebody who's ready to go, somebody who's ready to make a difference there. I want to send them resources. I want to send them money. I want to send them help to canvas their neighborhood and invite people to their church. When a church is established, guess what happens? The needs get met. That's what we've got to do. When we start thinking about North American missions, we will not engage in, in, in needs-based ministry. We're going to do that here in a local area, but we're going to be involved in church planning. And I'm telling you, in 8 to 10 years, I would love to see us sending a team out of here, at least a church planner, out of here to go plant a church somewhere in North America in a place that needs a church. Whether that's down the street because we've discovered a need because they're putting in 350, Thousand homes around here, and they ain't gonna fit in here. Or if it's somewhere else where the need is maybe even greater. But to get there, we got to take baby steps. So what I'm asking you to do is to pray with us, not for an e- not for an area that looks like us, not for an area that's easy, but for an area that needs the gospel. So I'm praying. For, we're praying for the where but we're also praying for the who. What we're wanting to find right now is a, is, a, is a church planner that's already at work, somebody who's already got his boots on the ground, somebody that's already establishing a connection in a community, and we want to come alongside him, him and his family, and begin to, to help in that effort. And we believe that'll be a baby step towards being involved in church planning like we need to in the future. Amen. That's what I'm asking you to pray about. I've given you the what. I've given you the why. But now I'm asking you to pray about the who and the where. Um, and again, uh, we just we want to pray for that. Um, so just pray that God would give me clarity, God would give our staff clarity, God would give our church clarity about what direction he would have us to serve when it comes to North American missions. Um, but I want to go back because that's all the church stuff. Write that stuff down and begin to pray that way. And don't you dare just write it down and not pray. Um, But pray with us. But I want to go back through here and just provide a challenge. The first thing we talked about, if we're going to be the people of God, we've got to reach those who are different from us. And I want to challenge you. If the only people you talk to in your life, the only people who you engage with, uh, if the only people you are having conversations with on a regular basis look like you socioeconomically, um, skin color, language, Family of origin, (laughs) family that'd be your cousins. Anyway, uh, a similar area. Anyway, right? Uh, If it's very similar, then like, deal with God on that, because I believe we're being disobedient, and I struggle too, because it's a natural tendency to try to talk to people who are like us. But we got to talk, we got to spend time with people who are different. Um, The next thing we talk about, uh, we got to reach those who are hostile. Reach those who are hostile. We cannot, as people of God, people who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, we cannot avoid the hard conversations. I'm not talking about on Facebook, okay? Just don't argue with anybody on Facebook. No one's ever, I, very few have repented and been saved through Facebook. But when you sit down across with a cup of coffee and you just talk about your faith openly and honestly and let them ask hard questions, let them raise their voice at you, but show them love. Much cheesy comment in the first service was put out their fire with living water? Anyway, all right. I I hated it. The first service, I don't know why I told you again. Um, (laughs) But that's what we've got to do. We've got to be people of peace who are reaching those who are hostile. We can't shy away from the Saul's in the world We've got to continue to do ministry there and pray for us as a church that we would have clarity over who God would have us partner with, what, what, what city God would have us partner with, because I want to be like the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem did not get, they don't have a plaque on their wall that says, we, re, we planted the church in Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and all of those. But their son did, right? Their baby church, the church that they planted in Antioch, planted all those churches. I don't know if God's going to use east directly to impact the world, but I want to get my fingers out there, baby. I want to send people out of here. I want to extend our reach beyond here because God has called us to see the glory of God among us, our neighbors, and the nations. Amen. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, then all of this is falling on strange ears, I'm sure. You may be confused about some of the stuff we've talked about. The same God who met Paul, met Saul on the road to Damascus wants to meet you today and wants to change your life. Saul went from being a persecutor and killer of Christians to a church planter. I went from being a young kid who was lost, separated from God, to somebody who stands before you now proclaiming God's word. Every one of you has a story that looks different. You're before and you're after. God has saved so many of you. But I know if God hasn't saved you today, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, it's, it, the Bible tells us this is how we do it. You turn from your sin and you turn to God. You recognize that you're in sin, that you need a Savior. You turn from that, turn to God. And just say, God, I need you to fix this mess because it's a mess. And then you recognize that he's the only one that can fix it. You trust fully in the name of Jesus who died and was raised again for you. And commit to follow him the rest of your life. God's word says that in that moment, God's spirit begins to, to God's spirit fills you, and you're different. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, we want you to experience that. I'm going to be down front during this last song, and the altar will be open if you need to come and pray. If you want to come pray for our church, for the love of all that's good, please pray for our church, whether where you are or up here. Pray for clarity for the future, but also um, we'll be down here to talk with you about about salvation. If you'd like to trust in Jesus today, but you just want to help somebody help you think through that, I'll be down front. We also always have counselors by a back door if you would rather go back than come forward. Uh, sometimes that's easier for folks. We just want to we want you to know that we're here for you. And we want to help you make the next steps. What's the next step that God's calling you to make today? I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then um, we're going to stand after I pray, and you guys can uh, uh, sing in response or come to the altar and pray for someone else in response or talk to a counselor, okay? Father, we thank you, God, for, um, as always, God, for your word that speaks so true. And, God, I'm thankful, God, that we have such a... um, uh, God, we have everything we need in your word, God, to exist as people and as a church. And God, I just pray that you would help us, uh, God, moving forward, uh, to help make these decisions, God, about who our missionary partners are going to be, God, and what areas you would have us serve in in North America. Um, God, I pray that even now, God, there's a church planner who's praying for a church to partner with him. God, I pray that you would connect us through the power of your spirit over the coming days give him clarity and give us clarity that that's the area that you would have us serve in and that our partnership would be god-honoring but god possibly even more than that i pray that we reach our community god, that we not neglect the people right here under our wings for the sake of the nations god we need to do both with intentionality any and all of the above God, help give us clarity going forward. God, be with us as a church. Um, God, I thank you for those who have gathered here today. God, I pray that you'd stir in their hearts to be involved uh, in the, the trips and the, the opportunities that we're going to have coming up um, as we start making these decisions. But God, also that each one of us, God, would engage in daily missional work among those that we're around. God, I pray that as I've proclaims your message we've heard this story of of Saul uh coming to life coming to life in Jesus and experiencing life new as a Christian God I pray that there's somebody here who hasn't done that God that they would talk to me or one of our counselors that's the best best moment in a person's life it changes the trajectory forever God I thank you for this time may you use this time God of our response to glorify your name in Jesus name Amen. Church, let's stand. Sing this song. 12 to 1400 year old song. We're gathering together today to sing a song that's been sung in many different languages for over 1200 years. 1200 years of Christians have sung this song. We're gathering with them today. Let's sing.